Hi, I'm Catherine. And I'm Gail. And welcome to Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined, our award-winning weekly podcast. We're excited to be in our fourth year. This has been a labor of love that now needs your support. We urge you to join Aging Reimagined Circle, our sustaining membership fund, or make a donation so we may continue to inspire women to age with purpose, resilience, and self-care. Visit womenover70.com and join today. Today, we're delighted to have with us Francesca James, age 71, from Inglewood, California. She learned to heal others after she was intuitively guided to write Reiki as a form of healing herself following a life-threatening bout with cancer. Mm -hmm. She believes that cancer, quote, saved her life, moving from high stress work as a successful black woman in white corporate America to connect more deeply with her inner world. This journey inspired Francesca to write a book, Resurrecting the Muse, Woman's Guide to Rising Above Societal Conditioning. And today Francesca assists other people in their healing journeys through intuitive wellness, coaching, and energy therapy, such as reflexology, Reiki, essential oils, tuning forks. And she also teaches white people about unconscious bias and racism in her class on deconstructing racism. Francesca will share with us three non-negotiables for how she lives her life. So welcome, Francesca. We're really happy to have you with us. Welcome. And um, Let's, before we delve into the three non-negotiables, uh, could you just set the stage for us uh, a little bit about your corporate career, your uh, thought with life-threatening cancer, and your quest for self-healing? That's quite a bundle. Yeah. Would you start with <laughs> my life in corporate America? Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, interesting journey. Um, yeah, I worked for the majors, you know, I worked for the Gillette company first out of college and I worked for IBM for years and decided I really wasn't an IBM. Uh, we sold computers, uh, you know, the, the first introduction to small computers for the office is when I was um, with IBM. But, you know, at some point I heard about this world of advertising and television um, and I pursued that. It was an interesting pursuit because you know, I interviewed in radio, I interviewed on other places in television, and I ended up going through a training program uh, in New York. I grew up in Chicago, was coming from Chicago. Um, and I went through a training program in New York, which is a training ground for anything. So it, it was, advertising is a very intense, Intense. I mean, I don't know what other word to use. It's very intense um, because it's about you're selling time, and when it's gone, it's gone. And there's pressure, and there's pressure, and you have these special events. And I loved it. I I, loved it. <laughs> I just loved it, and I learned a lot about living out in the world um, through that experience because we had to entertain our buyers and we had to entertain. I worked on a national level. There's three ways that you can sell television. You can sell locally, you can sell nationally, or you can sell the network. When you sell nationally, you're representing several television stations. 
which of course that was me, all the balls in the air. I just, I loved it. But it was a very stressful life. And it ended up, you know, it wasn't just that. I was the mother of two young girls and then married a man who had a young, a very young son, two years old when we married. And so all of those things put together increased my stress and I loved everything that I was doing. But it didn't mean that I wasn't stressed in my life. And because of that stress, I ended up having what I found out later was fourth stage uterine cancer. So it attacked the most creative part of my being, you know, there in the uterus. So um, that's what led to my healing, you know. Can you describe that journey for us a bit? How you moved into self-healing and found Reiki and other therapies? Because I already had an alternative lifestyle, which was just in my head so weird that I got cancer. And then to find, I didn't find out until two years after surgery that it was fourth stage, which was a blessing. Um, but I lived an alternative lifestyle. I ate healthy, organic food. I practiced yoga every morning before I went to work. Although I was the first person on my floor at that television station. So that's how early I got up, practiced yoga, meditated. You know, I was doing in my mind, all the things that were right. Went to the acupuncturist, but I didn't feel well. Um, I didn't take prescription drugs for anything. My body was clean. And when my doctor said the potential of cancer, he was like, but this doesn't make sense. You don't, you're not a person on this list that should have uterine cancer. And I was like, stress, there it is right there, stress. It was completely stress. And so I didn't do any of the things that doctors suggested I should do. They diagnosed me with, I think, like seven different things after I had cancer. Um, I fortunately did not have to have chemo, but I did have to have intensive radiation therapy. And so the first thing I noticed when I came home from the hospital is that when I would step onto the floor out of the bed every morning, my heel was it hurt. It was excruciating pain in my heel. I did not understand why. But my inner voice kept telling me to find a reflexologist. I didn't know anything about reflexology at all. But I did go have massages. Even before being ill, I had two-hour massages every other week. So as like I said, I was doing everything right. But what I wasn't doing is I would fly onto that massage table from work, and I would fly off of it to go back to work. So I wasn't absorbing anything. But I asked my massage therapist if she knew of a reflexologist and all she knew about was a school. So that's how it started. I went to the school, they did sessions. And that was the beginning of my training because I asked a lot of questions and I would ask my reflexologist. First thing I said, does anybody ever kick you? Because, <laughs> oh my God, it hurts so bad. <laughs> when he was working on me, it hurts so badly. But um, I learned a lot because I'd ask questions and what I discovered was that heel was my whole pelvic region. So it made sense that when I stepped out onto my heel, it hurt so badly because my whole pelvic region had been destroyed. So I worked through that and then took classes and started because, because of the tremendous healing I had. Because after two sessions with him, 80% of that pain was gone. 
And then the other things that they diagnosed me with showed up through my reflexology session. And so I would work on it through that rather than like, they wanted me to have another surgery, you know, the things that they suggested were insane. But um, reflexology then, it was really all listening to my intuitive voice because after reflexology, I heard Reiki. I didn't know anything about Reiki. <laughs> but my husband found a Reiki class because he read the newspaper every day and he saw something in the newspaper. And then I heard essential oils. And he's, he found that, honestly, through his reading of the newspaper. He found this thing about essential oils. And so those are the things that I studied. And that is how I healed. It was all of those things. And of course, and taking cancer out of my body. And now you're basically, you left the corporate world, I take it, and you're, you're full-time as a well, as an intuitive wellness coach and teacher. And energy, yeah. and energy. yes. I, I was doing, I wasn't doing the energy work, but I was doing the wellness coaching before I ever was ill, you know, and, and I taught yoga also at that time. So it was part of my saving grace, even in corporate America, because people found out that I taught yoga and they asked me to teach a class at work. And I literally would leave all of my yoga things in the car so that I would walk out of the building as the account executive and walk back in as a yoga instructor. <laughs> and then I would take all my things back to the car so I could return as the account executive. I kept those parts of myself separate. But I did teach a class two days a week um, at nine news in Denver. And uh, it, helped, it helped me to stay connected with my inner voice. And it was my inner voice, really, that was the success that I had in corporate America. But after the illness, I knew it was time for me to, to leave that stressful world and be more in alignment with being there for my children and being there for myself, really, about anything. And so I started, I set up a space in my home and I started doing reflexology because that was the first thing. And then I added Reiki and, you know, in the years since I also do tuning forks and I do a therapy called raindrop therapy with essential oils. So my, my whole life really is about helping other people find their wholeness, you know, through, through coaching or through energy therapy. That's so for those of us who don't know, what what is what is raindrop therapy? And did I get that right? Raindrop? And and uh, you said something else. Oh, tuning forks. Tuning forks. Raindrop therapy uses essential oils. There are nine in that particular therapy that are dropped onto the spine. And then there's this light feather massage. I'm not a massage therapist that you use to work those essential oils into the system, particularly into the spine and then out from the spine because our spine holds viruses and illnesses for years. And so it moves those, those illnesses and those uh, viruses out of the system. And they are designed, they're antiviral, they are muscle relaxant, they are for circulation, the series of nine um, essential oils, they do all kinds of things and, and it feels so good, <laughs> it feels so good. 
I love Ranger Silver. He was really good. And then tuning forks is an actual tuning fork. The ones that I have are um, tuned into the chakras. The chakras are the the energy centers in the body. There are we have many chakras, but there are seven major in the body. And so I use tuning forks on each of those centers to bring that individual back into alignment. Um, Reiki, in case people don't know what Reiki, a lot of people don't know what Reiki is. Reiki is an energy therapy that started in Japan. Um, and it's weird how Reiki works because I'm literally holding my hands above a person's body or on their body to sense into what their energy is doing. How it's, I always say how it's misbehaving because no one comes to me when their energy is like just flowing and no one's energy is really just flowing all the time. But I feel, I sense into what it's doing and I represent flow to it to cause it to then be able to flow because the flow is what heals emotionally and physically the individual. Thank you. So let's hear about your three non-negotiables for how you live your life. Well, um, one of them you talked about that I teach classes to white people. Uh, called the class is called the full name of the class is deconstructing racism, moving through discomfort to action, because white people are uncomfortable about looking at race. You know, they just are in general, and um, don't like the term privilege, but it exists. And so, I am unapologetic in my blackness. That's just a non-negotiable for me. I recognize who I am. Many years in corporate America, I would ignore things that were said or just, you know, people of color would look at each other and go, you know, or we'd have private conversations about something that happened that we couldn't say anything about because we didn't want to lose our job. Or we didn't want to be considered the angry black woman. Or we didn't, you know, all those labels that are put upon us. But I am now unapologetic in my blackness, and that is a non-negotiable for me. Because when I see something, I'm very compassionate and not necessarily harsh about it, but I will call it out. And the class came about after George Floyd was murdered, and white people woke up to something that they hadn't seen before, and they were asking for help. They wanted to know more. They wanted to know how to be better. And black people were like, "I can't help because I'm exhausted." And we are still exhausted. That's what white people don't say. We're exhausted every day because of the world that we live in. And I said, I'll, I'll talk to you. I'll, I'll teach a class. And that's how the class came about because I felt like if nobody talks to them, we have people that want to help. If nobody talks to them, they don't know. They won't understand because it's not their world. They won't see what they can't see. And so that's what my class is about is to help to turn and look in a different direction that you wouldn't, didn't know was over there. And to- How do people access your class? How can we, are you um, offering it on a regular basis? Um, I haven't been offering at a, at it at a, on a regular basis. My last class um, that has been scheduled is February 20th. But what I will tell, if a person wants to take my class, I will say, you tell me your schedule, I will build a class around your schedule. But they can go to my website, with francesca-james.com and go to classes and the class is there. And so if there's a date that I have, it's on that schedule. 
Otherwise, it says TBA, or and it's sad that note. If you'd like to take a class, give me a date, and we'll work around your schedule. So I love the class. It's hard to teach. It's hard because I have to keep going into the depth of things that are traumatic and painful. But I, I do love the result of what I see. I, I always say my favorite white people are the ones that took my class. <laughs> because they're so about being conscious and, and being better people. And it's what we need in the world. Um, you, can you tell us, give us a, a, a story or an example of someone who's, who, who took your class, who really made a major shift in their view or their attitude? Yes. Uh, well, I did, here's just a really small little snippet. One of the things that Black people say, because I was doing these events in person before COVID, and a Black man said, I just want white people to know I am no longer moving out of your way on the sidewalk. Because it's one thing that we know, we could be one person walking down the sidewalk and three white people are walking toward us, they do not move. It's like they don't see us. And so we, in the past, would step aside. And now it's like, I'm not moving. You step aside, you know? And so he said this. And all the white people in that event were like, wait, do I do that? And so I talked about that in one of my classes. And one of the women in the class told a friend of hers that story. And that friend became conscious because she was at a restaurant, like at the, the hostess uh, table, uh, waiting to be seated. And another, and a black couple came in the door and her, she and her friends were standing there and her friends didn't move, they didn't see them didn't move out of the way. And she said, could you step aside and let these people in? She, she passed her consciousness on to someone else that became conscious because, you know, it's a so on and so on and so on and so on. It increases and it up levels and it boils up from one person to another. One person can make such a huge, huge difference. You know, I have uh, one woman who took the class who has a biracial son and um, it, he, he would tell her, you don't understand. And she didn't know what she didn't understand. But through taking the class and made her look through his eyes and understand the things that he goes through on a daily basis that she had no one So things like that. Mm -hmm. I'm glad. So listening to your intuitive voice is another one of your non-negotiables. And you really, about my biggest non-negotiable, really. Because I believe it's the only authority that there is to listen to. It is here to guide and direct us through every step, every phase of our lives. And I was in touch with it without a name for it when I was a child. Because when I was a little girl, whenever something was troubling the little girl, who knows what that would be, you know. But it was a big deal in my mind, whatever it was. I would, in the evening time, it was always in the evening time, I would go, my bedroom was upstairs. I would go upstairs to my bedroom, have the lights turned off, get in the center of my bed, put the cover over my head, and then put my hands on my head until I saw the light. And that light was that inner something that said, it's okay, everything's okay. And I never worried about whatever that thing was again. So that was my own self-taught meditation, I guess. But I realized that I would just know things or hear things or feel things 
that I needed to pay attention to that thing that you call gut feeling. I, I had that and I've honored it since I was a child, even when I've been, there have been opportunities for me to get knocked off of it. I, no, I need to listen to this. And honestly, it was my success in corporate America because I was always listening to what account to call, what to do, what, you know, what direction to take. And that's, that's where my success came from. So I, I, there's nothing that will stop me from listening to my intuitive voice, no matter what. And, and is your, your, your view that everyone has an intuitive voice? Everyone has an intuitive voice. We're not taught in this country, in this culture. We're not taught to listen to it, but it's always there. Because it's that thing that you go, oh, man, I knew that. Oh, I heard that. But you didn't pay any attention to it. Pay attention. <laughs> I say pay attention. Before anything, pay attention. Don't put it on the back burner. Listen and follow. Obedient. So in your book, um, do you want to, I also want you to talk a little bit more about um, nourishing your body as a temple, which I think is not one of your non-negotiables. Yeah. Our bodies are, that, that, that thing that we just talked about, that voice, that inner guidance, our bodies house it you know and we love in this country man and i'm guilty we love to eat because it tastes good and things are bigger and you know cultures are bigger and bigger and we eat and we don't look at how this food really doesn't go with that food it's not this food does not honor what my body needs and the the honoring of my body as the temple of my living god is the most important, is one of the most important things to me. I am not always in step with it because, you know, I love cheese and my body doesn't, you know, not too much, of it, just a little bit. But um, sometimes I may go on a binge with things that I really shouldn't eat on a regular basis, but I do know how to supplement. I do that. I know what to supplement with. I know how to drink more water and flush that thing out of my system. So it's really being tuned in. And if we pay attention, your body will tell you, mm, no, that, no, not that. You know, I, sometimes I, I don't always do this either, but sometimes I go through the grocery store and I really am listening before I buy something. Because I may want something, but I listen. I don't always listen. But, <laughs> you know, I, I try to do that and really be responsible for what it is that I'm putting in my system, yeah. especially as we age, you know, yeah. our systems do all kinds of craziness. <laughs> so yeah. you, think you, it, you get there and you go, oh my God, yeah, it is. So. <laughs> Gail, you look like you're ready to say something. I, I'm taking it all in and I'm right. thinking about all the times I haven't listened to my gut. Yeah, how much trouble it's gotten me into. So this is a really good reminder mm -hmm. that uh, our gut does tell us what we need to do, and and we only have to listen to it and and be confident that it's true. That's the thing: trust in it. Yes, yeah. trusting it. Courage, confidence. Yeah. yeah. So um, before we close, Francesca, I'd just like to hear a little bit more about your book resurrecting the muse. I'm especially interested in the subtitle, 
Women's Guide to Rising Above Societal Conditioning. What do you take on in that, in your book? Because society has told women who they are and who they're supposed to be. You know that. We know that. <laughs> at our age, we know that. How we're supposed to function, what we're supposed to think like, who we're supposed to support, everything about us. And, you know, we tend to buy with, when something's ingrained in you and you don't stop and think about it, you buy into the system and you do things that, you know, really don't even feel right to you, you know, or um, that you really do because women are so intuitive, men are intuitive also, but in a different way, but because women are so intuitive, it would be wise for men to listen to women if we're listening to ourselves. And so resurrecting the muse is, the muse is the motivation and inspiration for all of life. We've known her as the, the muse for the creative world, but, she, but the world is creative. And she is the motivation and inspiration for other women, for men, and for children. Th that's who she is. And so it's, the resurrecting is, is remember who you are and live in it and let go of those ideas of what society said that you are and step into the truth of who you really are. Because see, the world cannot go on without women. We can take a sperm and, 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 you know, a man, all we need is a sperm. We don't need the man in order for life to go on. And so we really have to understand our value. And that's what the book is about. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Absolutely. Yes, it certainly does. That's <laughs> Wow. Well, thank you so much. <laughs> Did you? Yes, thank you so much for being with us, Francesca. And, and uh, I'm going to take to heart a number of the things that you said and really appreciate how confident you are about expressing these ideas that you live by. Mm -hmm. So thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you for having me. Yes, you're welcome. So listeners, at the beginning of the podcast, we invited you to join Aging Reimagined Circle, our sustaining membership fund. And of course, Aging Reimagined Circle hosts our monthly interactive programs. And we hope you will engage in these probing discussions and lend your voice to these important conversations about issues that matter to women aging. Is it women over 70? Aging, reimagine, and join. Thank you. Thank you, Francesca, so much. Thank you. Mm -hmm.